0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. Now today we're presenting an exclusive interview from someone with an extremely prolific body of work. DJ Second Nature joins us today from Atlanta, Georgia. He's a turntablist, VJ, mashup artist, video producer, and so much more. Now this comes from his website. Second Nature's unique ability to craft inventive, dynamic multimedia mashups... That are as entertaining as they are relevant has led to several collaborations with some of the world's biggest brands he combines modern pop and dance music film and television clips and sales focused messaging to create dynamic openings and interstitial presenter play-ons all live on stage from open to closing and at every transitional moment in between He anchors the flow while bringing an undeniable spark that turns a meeting into a thrilling, sense-filling media experience. Now, this comes from his website at secondnature.tv. That's the number 2ndnature.tv. And you really owe it to yourself to go and check out his work. The video mashups that he has available on his website are just absolutely fascinating to watch. So definitely take some time to do that. You can also visit the show notes for this episode and check out a few examples of what it is that Second Nature does. Now, we spend a little bit of time talking about the process behind his work, uh, his history with music, and how DJing and VJing fits into his life, but we unexpectedly spent most of the episode talking about so much more than that. You know, his struggles with anxiety, depression, self-worth. You know, we learn how he deals with these things in his own life and how both the music and his work helped keep him centered. Now, this is a fascinating interview with a man who has a lot to express through his music, and Tony, Tripp, Mo, and I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, please welcome DJ Second Nature. Yo, here we go. Well, let's begin, shall we? It's showtime! We have with us today a man who is so much a part of the culture,
1: that he scarcely needs an introduction to production. Everything changes starting today. We've only just begun. You understand? you understand? Hey, I'm Brett Balcastro, also known as DJ Second Nature. Nature. Second Nature. Second Nature. Second Nature. Second Nature. Second Nature. Second Nature. 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 That man right there, DJ Second Nature, is an animal. Ah! Ah!
0: Okay, so we are sitting here with DJ Second Nature. How are you doing, my friend? I'm amazing.
1: I'm amazing. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Is it okay that we call you Brett for the purpose of this interview?
1: Call me Brett, brother.
0: Okay. Tony sends me a message one day, and he goes, I know who we need to have on the show next. And you were the name that came up. And so I started kind of Googling and doing some research and checking out your Vimeo page and stuff. And just, I mean... You know, scraping the surface here, you do video mashups, you do remixes, live performances, you do all these corporate gigs, you have a history with the Ultimate series, if I understand. Oh, Um, you're an amazing scratch DJ. Um, You've won some DJ contests. I think the word DJ is a bit of an understatement for you. I think they need a new term like multimedia ninja or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) I love it. We can kind of start wherever you want, but I was kind of hoping maybe you could... uh, Maybe we could. Uh, you could take us to the beginning. Um, who is Second Nature, and how did you get into this whole thing? Where does your interest in music come from?
1: Second Nature's like always been kind of my alter ego because I never, I, I hid behind the turntables. Like I, I always mm. thought that I let you know, let my hands do the talking. <laughs> yeah. I basically got into DJing just because I loved music, and my father was a DJ. In the 70s when I was growing up, although I really wasn't exposed to him as a DJ until finding out as I became a DJ that he was one. I just knew that he had 10,000 records in the basement and I used to, I'll never forget putting on Michael Jackson Thriller and scratching the beat to beat it for the first time in Mm -hmm. my parents' living room and just hearing the sound and just making that physical connection. With the sound and just being super intrigued by it so i used to make mixes by pausing the tape recorder and picking up pieces of the radio and that kind of thing like sampling essentially and and my dad you know at the time my parents had divorced when i was 12 and i really didn't know my dad well before that that much. i don't have memory of it and between 12 and then when i turned 14 15 is when he started he just took a bigger interest in me, like a lot of his attention went to me, so he bought me bought me turntables, bought me a rain mixer, I don't even remember the model back then, but I'm sure y'all do, but a rain mixer, and I got some <laughs> 1200s, and set them down on the floor, and that's when I first started practicing, and I picked, up, picked it up fairly quick, I didn't have the name Second Nature back then, back then I was Beatmaster Brett B, actually, I was, that, I was also DJ Magic Middle, because Huh. I was a big fan of DJ Magic Mike. Okay, from, from Florida, who I eventually became friends with, and and really he was oh, wow. a big, big mentor for me, and and taught me a lot. And we did a, we ended up doing a song and scratch battle together, and we have a long history. Um, so he was one of my mentors, and so was my dad, because my dad, my dad became my manager, and he would push me. So he pushed me into a lot of areas that I never would have pushed myself, and I was living a. Outside of Detroit, Michigan, in the suburbs, Birmingham, and my dad had this connection with people in Atlanta. For he, he, my dad was a software developer. He was one of the first people to to develop, help develop stitching software that would translate like images to stitches. And he would, so I was on computers when I was fourteen, younger than that. But Macs when I was fourteen. So it's always been a huge Macintosh head. But you know he. Gave me all the tools that I needed and really was my, you know, advocate and got me into DJ battles and the battles were down here in the South and it was a record pool and it's, I'm pretty sure it's still active called Dixie Dance Kings. And I was the youngest dude in it. And all these guys were like 10 years older than me. So I had all, I had all these guys to look up to. So I had a lot of, um, a lot of fortunate situations that, that I'm very grateful for because a lot of people didn't have this experience. So that was my initial very, very early on um, like introduction to DJing. And the, can, the production part, There's, we could go on and on, but wherever you want to Yeah, it. If, if I can interrupt you for just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it really, it warms my heart to hear you talk about the influence that your father had with this whole thing because I, I really relate to that. And my, my dad was never a DJ or anything like that, but he was a, you know, he was a musician. He played saxophone. he nice. uh, sang in church choir for my whole life, and oh, I wow. used to to observe him making the the kind of pause play mixtape style stuff. So I got my initial interest in in a similar way. And uh, wow,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and I, I you know my most of my record collection is a result of of getting it from him. So that's that's really yeah. cool.
1: That's um, great. You still have lottery records? Oh yes. Yeah.
0: Yep, but half of them I don't even know what they are, which is kind of fun because it's, you know, every now and then I'll just go grab a beer and then pick something out at random and say, I wonder what Pops used to listen to, you know,
1: back in the day. Oh, that's great, man. I wish I had mine. I lost a lot of mine in a flood, and then I got rid of a lot of them just because I kept paring down and paring down. i just trying to live more minimalistically and just getting rid of them. I'm very into new and old, but it's, yeah, it's... I feel
0: like I've heard that story a thousand times, the, the record collection lost to a flood. It just, it breaks
1: my heart every time.
2: <laughs> I went through two. <laughs> Did you, man? Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: There's like a DJ f- famous picture of me holding up a uh, DVJ dripping water from the <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I saw that on your on your Facebook page when it happened.
1: Yeah. Yes. Wow, yeah. Wow. It was ten, about 10 years ago.
2: Yep.
1: Almost 10 years ago. Yep. So That's a story the story in itself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so with the, the DJ contest, um, was that yeah. something that your dad participated in and then got you involved in or was that something that he was like, I, I think I should get my son into this because I never had the chops or how did
1: that come about? I was just watching DMC battles back then and these DJ competitions were more like three Bull, Red Bull 3 styles where it's like party rocking sets, you know, okay. 15 minute sets and honestly, I'm... I think my dad just get, had the opportunity, like, would you, you know, got me in the, oh, he got me into the record pool because I needed music. So it's like, okay, I'm in, how do I get music? So that was the thing, join a record pool. And as I became involved with the record pool, that's when it came to my awareness that I could be in these DJ competitions. So back then I did um, like sh- a showcase set when I was 15 and then when I was 16, I did the actual battles and... I got, I think, second place, like the first one that I was actually in, and then I kept getting second place, which is funny, because it was always more motivation for me to come back and try again, you know? And I I finally got a first place. I think it was around then that I stopped doing it. Like, (laughs) because, and honestly, like, I could handle the pressure, but I fucking hated it. Like, I did not like it. Like, it was, and still to this day... I'm still that way. Like with these productions that I do, I get really overwhelmed and it's really hard. I got to push myself. So it's, it was never easy yet. I knew that I had a talent for it. You know, it's yet confidence was something that, that I, you know, (laughs) never could hold on to. even with, you know, the work that I do today, you know, I'll, do a great show, it'll feel good, I'll get some motivation, leave the show, and then it's almost like it never happened in a lot of ways for me. It's like I don't really dwell on, I, I really don't dwell on my successes, I dwell on my failures, and that's something that is um, not good. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's good in ways, but you need to have a balance with it, and I'm always striving for balance, so that's a whole other uh, sub how do you try to sure. counter that anxiety? How do I? Well, meditation. And that I stumbled across six years ago. And I've done it every, every day since because, you know, I when I was younger, and it was funny, Is was at one of these DJ competitions. I came down to Atlanta. You know, I'm from Michigan, and my friends would come down with me to support me. And I remember being in a hotel room, with my dad, and some of my best friends, and I'm laying out all my gold chains. I'm laying out my stuff. I'm getting everything organized. My buddy's like, like, why do you do this? Like, what's like? Why are you always doing that? You, you have ADD, and my dad's like, leave him alone. It's his thing. And they would like argue about it. <laughs> but he planted this thing to me. Like, what is ADD? Like, in in nowadays, it's such a term that's like so just kind of loosely thrown around. Right. Like, where even recently, I've come to realize that it's not as much as that you're distracted easily as it is that you just can't pay attention very well. And, or you pay attention to one thing, like, which for me has been DJing. Like all my effort and focus went into DJing, but I never felt comfortable. Like it was, I've always had angst, unless I was smoking a shit ton of weed and staying up all night, (laughs) which I've only recently come to to find balance in that, like, it's it's really, really hard, but that's the way I deal with my stress. I never paid attention to the fact that I had an attention until I sat down in the closet to be quiet for a moment, and I realized I had thoughts. Mm-hmm. Days after that, I started to realize that I had eyes, then shortly after that, I realized I had ears, and I'm not kidding. Like, for the first time, realizing that you're looking through your eyes, like, ultimately, I you know, came to realize that I was never paying attention to anything really. I mean, I was always directed by what other people wanted and a lot of that was what my dad wanted for me. He wanted me to be successful. He wanted to and did live vicariously through me in a lot of those places because my dad was living the nightclub lifestyle. and. And then I started to follow in his footsteps. Like at age 15, I'd get snuck up to the DJ booth to rock parties for 40 year olds, you know, playing my Sharona on 45 records. I'm like, nice. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny because nowadays, of course kids don't understand that, but that's just the way it is. Like I get so tired of hearing DJs complain about younger DJs and technology. It's just evolution, man. Like it's right. just,
2: there's nothing you can do
1: about it. Like it's, Everything is good or bad or yummy or yucky, depending on your perspective, which everybody has their own perspective. So it's not not everybody respects each other because ultimately they're not respecting themselves, which gets down into the deep layers of you know meditation. So, Well,
0: I've got to meditating. say, whatever you're doing, you seem to have struck that balance, and it seems to be working. I'm looking at the testimonials on your website. Kevin Goolsby from KBG says, you're the best that has ever done it. Allah Gaudi from Facebook says five stars for this man. Awesome design. Great quick support. Michael Goldman, who's the senior production director from Freeman XP says that standing ovations are something I've witnessed every time I've had the honor of watching second nature perform simply mesmerizing is mm-hmm. without a doubt. One of the finest DJs on the planet. John Penzian, who's a creative director at another company says, if you want to supercharge your next meeting or show, DJ second nature is the silver bullet. The 10 plus nine I've hired him proves that he's the best that this industry has to offer. I mean, this just goes on and on with these accolades. I mean, those are some some big words. What what is it uh, what what is a DJ second nature show like now?
1: Now it it is different every time I do a show. And that's what I love because it's it's never the same, which is challenging and I've come to like challenges. And at the same time, it it's it never gets old. You know, for a for a period of time there, I was bored. You know, I, I got bored with nightclubs, and I I just got bored of the same thing. Like I get I get bored of the same thing over and over again. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do, it's just hard to get out of your comfort zone. So when I started transitioning from nightclubs into the corporate life, which is about 10 years ago, um, it was really, really hard for me Um, because with corporate, you have to have a certain level of trust when it comes to somebody hiring you because of the general idea of what a DJ is or what a DJ does. So people already have a preconceived idea about you based on the fact that you're a DJ. I see. Yeah. And that's hard, like, you know, and my, my ego will, you know, notice that once in a while when it's like, and I'm not one to like talk about my accolades. Like, I, it's, it's even hard for me to listen to them.
2: It's, it's almost a sense of embarrassment. Like, a shy, a shyness, right? Like, yeah. I'm the same exact way. I, it, it's impossible sometimes for me to take a compliment. You know, somebody says, oh, great set or good job at this. And I'm just like, I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, smile and nod.
1: I know it's like, it's a it's like a self self deprecation. It's you know, and that's how I ended up getting the whole self help route. But when it comes to like, I have a vision for what I want to do when it comes to that end of life, which I'll talk to you all about toward, probably towards the end of this. But when it comes to my shows now, I'll give you a, a, an example of like a typical corporate event for me. So I'll spend a good week to two weeks producing an uh, opening video for a general session for a pharmaceutical or tech company sales meeting, or, or um, for example, I did um, a tour for Delta Airlines. I did the final flights of the 747 jet for Delta, and I traveled from Detroit to Seattle, back to Atlanta, to Minneapolis, and did play, performed in in all the airport hangars behind a huge jet, this gigantic 747 jet. And those type of Shows are very different for me, and like I did a lot of background music towards the end of night, towards the end of the night for those shows. And you know, as a DJ, you know that it's, you're, it's a very different place than center stage in the morning, 8 a.m, 2,000 people walking into a room, watching me on stage <laughs> with visuals going everywhere, right? It's like all the attention's on me there. And that is, my armpits are sweating, I'm I'm overthinking, like, and I'm trying, but once I start playing, and that's why I got my name Second Nature, it becomes Second Nature. It's like, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It, okay. it, it's natural. It's just happening. And that, I got at an early age, because it felt that way at an early age. Yep. You know, when I'm doing background stuff, or just like, you know, where it's like a cocktail party, and no one's paying attention to you, it's a lot easier than... When you're on stage and the, and the lights are on you, and that's the typical morning. So I'll I'll get to an event. I'll do like rehearsals with executives where I'm like introducing them to the stage, or I'm playing music for them to come up to the stage, and that's part of the day. And then rehearsals stop, and then we'll we'll start the show. And it could be like in the morning or in the evening. It just depends wherever everybody's coming into this meeting. I'm the the focal part, trying to bring energy, smiling like pretending that like everybody's dancing, you know, like (laughs) trying to play songs that keep me, keep my energy up, you know? Yeah. And and stuff that I know that will relate to the whole crowd. And, and it's, that's a typical show. And then the lights go out and I'll start like scratching and I'll play an opening video that I produced that has pop culture media in it and TV shows and movies. And, and because of my, a short attention span I chop stuff up really fast and it's like th- sometimes overwhelming and, I, and I'm actually learning to tone that down when it comes to storytelling to give some space okay between, so people can digest because <laughs> um, I always used to play songs I couldn't let a song play very long so it's like and people would complain sometimes you're not letting the whole song play <laughs> but yeah that's, that's like a typical show now and and for me, it's almost not even challenging enough in, in certain ways. Because I, I used to do the battles, and the video DJ battles. So when I first started doing those in 2005, I had just won a nightclub club and bar show that was on the CDJs. And I did this set, and I won. And then Pioneer was like, hey, we got these DVJs coming out. We'll give you all the gear. And at that time, I had this connection with Promo Only. It was the big... And I distributed music and videos, and I had the entire collection because I was friends with the owners, so I had every music video already, and then I get the gear, and it's like, and I knew how to edit, so I, it was like Bill Gates as a young kid sitting at a computer, like a, perfect timing. <laughs> like I, I felt very blessed and fortunate that I had that opportunity, and I knew that other people didn't, and I almost felt guilty in a lot of ways, like because I wanted everybody else to have the same opportunity as me. And that's kind of how I've always felt. We
0: should probably specify for our, for our audience, um, that the VJ aspect is a very big part of your performance. So, um, can you maybe just kind of do your best? I know it's hard to do on an audio format, but can you maybe just describe what, what that looks like and what that sounds like and what you, what you go for when you're creating these kind of mashup videos or mashup live performances?
1: Yeah. So, I went to school at Savannah College of Art and Design for film and video, and I've always had an interest in in film and video, and when I came out of SCAD and was DJing, I started working at Turner Broadcasting here in Atlanta as a sound designer, because I got a sound design degree, and that's when everything connected at one point in my life, where the video DJing came right when I was doing all this, so from, like, the video DJing starting in 2005. By 2007, 2008, I stopped working at Turner because it had, you know, blown up because there was really not a whole lot of guys video DJing. And that's why, Tony, you brought me out there and Mm -hmm. I, I got to do a lot of those. I was touring around from bar to bar because bars were the only places that had tons of TVs. So back then, when it came to my production, you know, I'd come out of school. I was making, like, industrial videos for people. Very good editor, not not a lot of graphic skills but enough to get by and I still do um yet I was also working for Funky Mix and Ultimix and doing remixes and I'd done that since like 97 right out of high school and I produced a syndicated radio show for many years that was uh sponsored by Outcast. it was called Stank Radio and they were <laughs> like, like awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah it was pretty cool um I was best friends with Outcast DJ named Cutmaster Swift so we you know, develop the show with my dad, who is kind of the manager of it all, and then a, another partner way back then, but, so I had all these different skill sets, you know, the audio editing and the sound design, and, and so I started building, you know, building video sets, like, I, and I would really think them through, so I would do these competitions for nightclub and bar, and for, um, and doing exhibition sets for Pioneer, um, and I, and I, that's how I really got my notoriety as a video DJ, because I had all this these platforms that I was able to perform on that other guys weren't. So I would do just a ton of video remixing to my audio remixes or video remixing to other guys' remixes that I love to play. And that's really how I stood apart, because I had all these unique video remixes.
0: Uh, I was just curious, do you consider yourself a DJ that... VJs, or do you consider yourself a VJ that DJs, or do you do you identify yourself in one way or another?
1: Yeah, when I when I started, I was uh, a DJ that plays videos, okay. <laughs> or a video DJ. And back then, a lot of guys, it, it was a a new space back then. So DV, like VDJ, like everybody was putting these acronyms in the beginning of their name. I guess acronyms, I don't know. Um, and that's yet I. I was um, voted number four, and I'm looking over at the post over here. Number four, video DJ in the world. This was on like DJ Magazine out of the UK. Okay. And when I got when I was on that, I got criticism because I wasn't a VJ, and I felt kind of awkward about it. Like I sure I was proud of it, but in the same sense, I'm like, do I deserve this? <laughs> like, because <laughs> I'm I'm a DJ that does videos, but it was my production chops and that's why i'm able to do what i do now in in the corporate space that i you know i produce these videos and i don't even dj them i just send them it's, for it, a lot of them sound,
0: it sounds like uh what i've heard referred to as imposter syndrome you know who who am i to win such an award or what you know this yeah <laughs> what have i done to deserve
2: this i yeah. love
1: that <laughs> i have a lot of syndromes that's that's a new one i'll add to my list <laughs> I am not qualified to
2: diagnose you <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fine I'm, I'm qualified to diagnose myself I do it enough uh, yeah but that, it's a good question though because I, I yeah now I just I tell people I'm a DJ it's it's always what I say it's the first thing like when I started um, writing a lot more I was like I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to start telling people I'm a writer Now I don't want to be a DJ <laughs> like, but I it it I always go back to it it always comes full circle back to being a DJ I mean it's going to be When I write my book, that's what's been hard for me, to relate my life as a DJ to now this whole other self-help, mindfulness, spiritual realm, uh, peak performance area that I want to go into where I got to make the connection as a DJ too because ultimately I relate probably more to DJs than anybody else. I gotta say,
0: for somebody who describes themselves as as easily distracted, you, you've got a hell of a resume. I mean, you you've worked with names like Under Armour, HubSpot, Dodge, Verizon, New Line Cinema, Wells Fargo, Captain Morgan, Crown Royal, Hennessy, AT and T, Playboy, MTV. I mean,
1: it, that's I really know, the Fortune there. Yeah. This is impressive. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, I'm a. Uh... I've done it. <laughs> and, and that's yes. you know, my my the the level of pressure has continually increased over the course of my entire life. And it's because I've allowed it. And I'm a people pleaser, which is another challenge of mine. You know, when you're giving all of yourself to everybody but yourself, you're gonna you you can't sustain, right? That was part of the, the staying up all night, you know, the the drinking and the, the smoking too much and, and just too much of everything. There's never balance, like too much ice cream all night, too much, you know, obsessively eating, obsessive everything. But when it, so when it comes to the pressure and, you know, working with those types of companies, you know, I'll get on conference calls where, I'm creating a two to three minute opening video with nothing but sound bites to tell a story about the company that I'm working for. And depending on who I'm working with, I might just be having a call directly with the CEO or some other executive, or I might be talking to a creative director or just a production company that won't let me talk to the client. So it's really. Push me to learn how to communicate. That and my two divorces and marrying my third wife, by the, and because I sat down and meditated and realized that I had a voice in my head that was talking to me all the time, that I was paying zero attention to, which is the is the key, whole purpose of meditation is to get outside of yourself for a little moment so you can come back and pay better attention to yourself and that happened and everything changed for me. And I had a, a, two best friends that I was working with, that one of them was my manager, one of them was a partner of mine that I stopped working with um, because I realized that I needed to take control over my career and my life. And at that time, I really didn't know what that meant So I've been just working, 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 working diligently on that part of life to learn how to express myself and communicate better so that not only am am I'm understood, but that I understand people. And, you know, I'm I'm highly empathetic to a point that I've killed myself in a lot of ways. That's why I'm so passionate now about taking care of myself so that I can take care of other people. And I've had, you know... My vision now is to write a book and become a speaker and to take my abilities and skills to back, to how, back to the fundamentals of DJing, where now that I you know, produce these opening videos and t- lately 50, 60, 70% of the time, I'm just hitting send and someone's playing it somewhere else. I'm not going to it where that's what I used to have to do. I'd produce it. I'd perform it. Like, like in the, the battle days when I, with DVJs and pioneer sets, I would put together, I'd, I'd put together a set and then break it apart. So that was my production technique and trick where I plan it all to a T And, and a lot of guys do this, you know, even, you know, for DMC battles, they're so meticulous, you know, Right. guys will spend so much time doing that. I miss that. I miss that part of the performance now where I would love to have a performance that's based on a theme like the word engage or, or meditation or whatever it is that I want to talk about. I perform a set based on that subject with pop culture and then I step around and talk, which is the hardest part.
0: It's funny, if you listen to the episode that just went live, episode 125 was called Inspiration, and we, we talked about some very similar things about kind of taking things, uh, concepts, or things we observe and trying to communicate that through music. I think you would uh, appreciate that episode because it was, yeah, we we talked about some very I'll, similar I'll things. I'll
1: listen to it. I'll listen to it for sure. Um,
0: you kind of touched on a little bit uh, the the process of kind of putting together one of your productions like let's say one of your uh produced video mashups yeah we kind of draw a circle around that for a minute um yeah you know describe your process does it start with the music does it start with the video or you know do you have a pile of clips sitting around or is it like a hunt for new material every time how does that work for you
1: all the above <laughs> okay <laughs> all the above for real um Lately, I've been starting with the messaging. So, for example, um, I have a couple uh, tools that I use to research movie clips, and I'll get on the sites and I'll I'll type in a phrase and then find what movies have it, and then I'll you know reference the time code. I'll go to the time code and see if if the uh, you know, for example, I, I'm looking at a script right here. Like, but uh, this is a very special night for you from my big fat Greek wedding. And there's the time code, one hour, 15 seconds and nine and nine frames in or whatever. So I'll go to that, or I'm sorry, one hour, 15 minutes and nine seconds. So I'll go to that and I'll have to see if that line works. I'll have okay. to judge if the audio is good. I'll have to judge if the video is good. And if neither of them, then I got to move on. So it's. That's like the, the very first stage of it is, for at least for these video mashups, like what's the story, like what's the message? What am I, what is my client trying to convey in this video? And then I, I start with the story. So I start searching for the movie clips. And a lot of times I'll lay that all out and the story will determine the tone of the music that I need to pick. So I might, and I've, I have an arsenal of songs that I've used for these types of videos that I like, and i'll um, go back to those and see if they work and if not, then i'll start over but it's a lot of it is my client has a vision for the video or they have no vision at all, so if they have no vision at all, then I'm kind of free reign I can do whatever I want, but if they have a specific vision, sometimes I'm trying to plug in what they want to do, and they might have a song they want me to remix or you know or the theme of the event might relate to a particular song that I want to use, so it's, it varies, but it, do you it
0: starts prefer, with the reason. I was going to say, do you prefer to have kind of wide open creative freedom or to have kind of a scaffolding or a structure to work from?
1: Well, I've developed my own structure, so when I have the freedom, it's a little bit, it's easier now, but when I started, okay. it was nerve-wracking.
2: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: You know, because I didn't have a process developed. Now I have a process de- developed from training of the guys to help me do it. Um, and a, a friend of mine from way back in the day, DJ Bray, DJ Breaks, um, he was in Pioneer demonstrating crew. He's helped me build these. I kind of trained him on how to do the research and clipping because there is a process to it. And there's a thought process that goes into finding the best movie clips. Um, and I'm meticulous now because I'm – like you said I'm searching for the ba- new stuff and I do have an arsenal I have a, a 40 terabyte hard drive with every project I've ever done in my entire life Wow! from the 90s till now everything everything so and I use uh, that's not the only device. place huh? As <laughs> that I hope that's <laughs> not the only
2: place
1: no I mean it mostly is um, but I have a couple of hard drives too that I back stuff up on and I put stuff up on Dropbox but honestly if I lost it all I'd fuck it, I'll start over. I mean, I've done it so many times. I've started over multiple times in my life when it comes to relationships that I've had to learn how to let go.
0: That's a very strong response. I like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That, that is not what I expected you to say, but mm-hmm. I, I totally get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when it, that flood, man. When the flood happened, like six months after I was going through a divorce, And it was a, it was a period of my life that was really hard. And the only thing I was holding on to was being on the cover of DJ times because I was thinking that my career is going to keep me going. My career is going to keep me going. My career is going to keep me going. I mean, because I'd always put so much effort into that and paid no attention to my relationships. And that's why now with my current, I know we've totally gone down another rabbit hole, but with, with my wife, um, I adopted her daughter. I have a son, you know, they're, my son's 12, daughter's, daughter's 12, son's 10. So I've, that's a big part of my life now too. So I know that like, I have a lot of responsibility and a lot of people depend on me, to, not just my family, but, and I want to help other people. And that's one of the things that like when my workload is low, I'll get really low and I'm tired of that cycle. And when I've been that low, I'll consciously think, send me more work than I can handle and it comes, and I can't handle it, and that's what I want, because then I can ask for help from other people, and that was one of the great things, is that I finally did, was write down on Facebook, like, is there anybody out there that wants to help me start collecting pop culture media, and Bray hit me up on Facebook, and since then, we, he's been helping me, so it's, it's hard for me to ask for help, because I've wanted to do it all myself, not out of, look at me, I can do it all myself, I didn't want to put other people out, like, I didn't want to burden other people, and ultimately i've had to let go of that idea and that's why when it came to the flood and my divorce and letting go um even the idea of letting go of of my dad my son my wife like people that i love knowing that eventually we all gotta let go of each other we can hold on as tight as we want but we we're, we're not i'm not bringing anybody down with me when i die <laughs> i can't do it like <laughs> My dad's done it with me unknowingly. Like right. people are unconscious and they don't know it. Like, and I'm fortunate to know that. Not from a, again, not from a place of ego, just from seeing it within myself. Like I, I know when, when other people need help and I would you know, give myself away until I had nothing left. So balance is, is the key. And, yeah. and that's such a word that's, that's hard to explain until you feel it and you experience it. When you have some. I'm down here in the morning doing headstands. <laughs> I'm trying to balance myself by getting all the blood in my brain by sitting on my head in the morning to get my Literally mind
0: balancing right. yeah. Literally balancing yourself. Literally
1: balancing on my head to get my mind right.
0: <laughs> well, fellas, I don't want to hog all the airtime here. Does anybody have anything they want to uh, explore or any questions or
1: anything like that? I've got one. Okay. Uh, you If you had a young fresh DJ who is showing some promise. They've got, they've got some talent are they, They've got the drive. They've got, they've got that determination. What would be your number one piece of advice for them? Don't stop. <laughs> Don't stop. I, I think
0: that's a great answer because I, I think a lot of people, they tend, and this happens a lot in like the business world and stuff. Like I listen to a lot of business podcasts cause I'm always trying, you know, some new little thing, side project or something. And they talk about that a lot where, you know, the people always tend to stop right before something was going to happen. You know what I mean? Which I I know is easy to say, but, you know, people give up way too easily. And you seem like you have whatever that trait is, you seem to have the
1: opposite of it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I don't. Um, But, yeah, like I, when I stop, I lose momentum. And I get sad, I get depressed, mm-hmm. I get down myself. I start beating myself up. Then you're down the failure hole. Yeah. You no, know, we hear this all the time. You know, we learn from your failures, learn from your mistakes, and it's true, man. Like I've watched my dad. My dad's the example, right? Even just recently, just full disclosure about my relationship with him. Like he, I've seen him come bounce back multiple times yet this time it's been harder for him to bounce back. He has, uh, basically stage four emphysema, 10% lung capacity. Um, mm-hmm. this, yeah, it, he bad downward spiral, man. Um, cause he could never find balance. He was not one to give up. He's persistent, but you gotta keep in mind that the, the world doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> like, that's a hard concept for children. You know, it's a hard concept for very egoic people. But all that is just a defense for for whatever feeling they're trying to escape that they may, may not know that's even there. So when it comes to, like... Young DJs and like, you know, I, my nephew just got into DJing and he's got, I gave, I loaned him my SZ, and he's been playing with it and I don't know how serious he is and I haven't had enough time to connect with him. It's my nephew-in-law through my wife's sister son and I love it. And as soon as he showed an interest, I was like, oh, I'll do it. I'll, like I would give my shirt off my back. I'd be like, mm-hmm. you can keep this is like that. Cause I saw an interest. Yet it's so hard to not get distracted and pulled away. Like I see it with my daughter, right? She, My daughter will get into one thing and she'll get into another. And I learned a lot of this through the flow fundamentals course that I took. People that are dabblers, right? They'll dabble in something. They'll let it go. Dabble, dabble, dabble. And they might do that their whole life. And that's when it comes to the you know, passion and purpose. You know, you, you do what makes you feel good. I know that's you know very cliche things to say but it's like just don't stop like I, when i stop working even like in this capacity when when people when i don't feel needed or wanted anymore i start feeling like i'm worthless like i i've got nothing to offer no one's calling me no but you got to you got to put it out there yourself which i've learned and if you guys have seen any of like the promo videos that i've shot those were the hardest things i've ever done man cuz i'm i'm used to to operating by a need, right? Like Funky Mix needed me to do something. They'd me something. It, it goes all the way back to school. Like you got someone telling you what to do. I'm used to people telling me what to do and following the instructions for somebody else. When it comes to passion and discovering things for yourself as a kid, you know, you're just playing. It's play. It's curiosity. There's no pressure. You know, you're just curious to learn and have fun. And then it turns into a career and then the money thing comes in, and then you're in this system of, of marketing, this this consumer system, and all those things that that work against you in a lot of ways. And it's hard to be outside of the box, you know. It's hard to, not fit in.
0: So when it when it comes to the the DJing and the video mashups and all that kind of stuff, what uh, what do you hope to accomplish in 2018? You know, we're kind of at the beginning of the year, and a lot of people tend to analyze that sort of stuff where, where do you want to be this year with that, with your music?
1: Well, with my music and my videos, I want to start creating more for this next chapter for me for creating, you know, consumer facing video, like videos that I can put out that everybody can enjoy. Right. Cause I, I've, I've created so many motivational videos behind the scenes and I, not only do I have an arsenal of stuff, but I, I want to get more aggressive with it, man. Like, not forcefully, just meaning I want to help a lot more guys, you know, a lot more guys when it comes to creating these things. Like, because DJs will watch them, you know, because they, I have that following. I have that audience. Right.
2: Already. I watch them all the time. I still do.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. <clears throat> and, and I, because all I consume is like, Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss and and these guys from the Flow Genome Project, Stephen Kotler and Jamie Weald, just a lot of like peak performance stuff, and that's what I'm consuming all the time, yet I'm creating similar stuff, and I'll get inspired by like, I'm going to make a video mashup for Wim Hof, I'm going to make a video mashup, but I, I don't allow myself the opportunity because I take on so much opportunity for other people. So I want to carve out more space to create these things. And I just talked to a partner of mine this morning about it. I'm like, I want to make a, an aggressive, like self motivating video. That's fun. And it's made of pop culture. You know, that's, that's my style. Cause I, you know, we all watch these videos, you know, you'll where they're, you know, more dramatic and long, but it's like, I want to make something that it's my style that I know that, you know, I, I have the confidence just simply knowing that that you know we're 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 one of a kind we're all unique you know we all you know a lot of people would be like don't give out your secrets don't tell people what you're doing don't tell them your process we're all doing the same stuff it's just, it's not going to happen the same it's not going to come out the same way right like you could say i'm stealing material you could say i'm borrowing it it's always been in this gray area right like dj's remix you know we we want. I've always wanted to make stuff better. I've never wanted to take away. When it came to funky mix, I always wanted to make it better. Thank God. And if it was something God. I didn't think I could make it better, I wouldn't touch it. I'm like, this is already <laughs> great. Like, I don't want to fuck it up.
2: No, I don't want to make anything. When I was DJing so in the top forty clubs, those funky mixes and ultimate saved my life. <laughs> <But> <laughs> they the saved mine. They and they that's why I did it. The, middle, the. I mean, the scratching. You, I mean, yeah, your
1: scratching is it's top notch, man. Yes, it is, Thanks, man. Well, I got a huge compliments from DJ Am and got got to got to know him and and uh, that's like the whole other part of my life with video DJing. And I don't know if you guys knew that uh, I was in a, a group of video DJs called Screenworks. It was me, JE, uh, the um, Jordan Laws, Steve Wonder. DJ Kostic and Shecky Green, who is the editor-in-chief of The Source magazine, was our mm-hmm. basically our manager and our okay. agent. Wow. Um, yeah, we did that for many years, and it was amazing, because there was not, at that time, there's, and there still isn't, like a lot of video DJs on a level that's like where AM was, when it comes to the top 40, uh, like Vice, you know, like those guys. And we always respected and admired those guys, and we, that's what we always wanted. Yet there's the you know the Tiesto and Avicii and um, that that level of production and Dead Mouse and where we wanted to do that with video DJing just as a collective crew, we we talked about making an album and doing that sort of thing, but we just never went there. And it's video DJing is still such a niche thing. It's like it's not yeah. super 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 mainstream, and that's why I've mm-hmm. still been able to fly under the radar with with what I do. I've just yeah. been very
2: fortunate. <laughs> You know when I brought you to Dayton, that was one of the main reasons because it, it's something that hadn't been seen. Nobody really knew about it, um, and it went over very well. And when I was actually when I was hitting you up about playing the clubs, one of the um, the main clubs that we do here, just they I don't know how many panels, but it's a ridiculous high def LED wall. Yeah, the front, the front of the booth, the side, the back, everything. And I thought it would be cool to do an event. You know, bring you in for that and play on that that LED wall but you know that's when we had the discussion and you took a different path and yep yeah that's how that whole conversation kind of started
0: well we're uh, we're kind of running over time here but I want to give yeah. another opportunity for the guys here if they want to get any other questions in or anything because I know I spent a lot of time asking all those so is there anything else that you guys yeah, want to bring up no go
2: ahead you got time for one more i appreciate it yeah yeah um so you mentioned Throughout the course of this interview, that
1: you've had issues, you've had challenges with the uh, depression and anxiety. I'm, I also have challenges with depression and anxiety, and I find that music and uh, changing my mindset and also uh, my fitness, my diet, those yep. types of things have helped me become a better human. Yep. Um, how important yep. is music and all those other changes that you've made to your life help you overcome some of those challenges? For some reason, I've gravitated to listening to Dead Mouse a ton for the past like two to three years the same songs every day and I would go for a jog Mm. and I'd music would get me into out of my head and that's the only place that I could start to heal myself you know and music combined with physical activity essentially dancing because I was a huge dancer when I was in high school and and movement, just movement, music and movement. You got to do both or, well, even sound for meditation. Um, Cause I would start out just by listening to, for like, a, to almost two years, I listened to almost no music and just Deepak Chopra. So I'd listen to <laughs> Deepak Chopra meditations, reprogramming myself. Then I stopped doing that. And I would just listen to music. So, I, or I'd go for jogs and, and. Or to start doing body weights in in the playground by my house, listening to like uh, Rick Ross and, and Skrillex, Purple Lamborghini, like doing pull-ups, <laughs> like, like <laughs> pushing myself. Like that level of intensity, I need that level of high energy to really, energy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I need it, man, for sure. Like music is so important, so, so, so important. And I need to refresh it. Like I... I'll get stuck on the same song, same playlist, and I love it, and it'll keep me going, but then I'll lose momentum with it. And if I don't have it, I'll start to kind of lose my way. Like, if I'm not Mm -hmm. listening or consuming new or creating, it's like, it's that, again, don't stop. Like,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I've never really thought of that way until you asked me the question, but it's really true. Like, you just don't stop moving. And when it comes to, like, getting out of your head and, and, the biggest cure for me for my depression and anxiety has been deep breathing and this this Wim Hof practice has really been the key it, just active man get active change your state by changing your 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 momentum and your energy and
0: Well, that momentum and that energy definitely comes through in your work, and our listeners should go to the show notes for this episode of the podcast to check out a few examples of your work, because uh, it will be worth it to go check this out. You can also check out DJ Second Nature at uh, 2ndnature.tv. Is that correct? Yep, exactly. 2ndnature.tv. And Brett, thank you so much for spending some time with us Thank you,
1: guys, man. What an awesome opportunity. I'm very grateful.
2: Thank you, you very it. much. Thank you, man. Awesome. Yeah, thank, yeah. You
1: thank you, man. man. Great questions. Great conversation. If you ever want to
2: come up for a weekend, let me know. We would love, love to it. see you live, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Remember the last time that you played in Dayton for me? Do you remember what happened?
1: I don't, man. I, and and someone was telling me recently about it, but I don't have a lot of memory.
2: memory you want to talk about passion? You were. We did a show. It was called Paradiso Inferno. Paradise. Is this Fire. when I was throwing up? Yes, you. You were <laughs> so sick, but you would you would mix sitting on a stool, running yeah, to the bathroom, the poop, and coming back. This is it. You guys know the Club Hammerjacks so on the first floor. He was going out that back door right there that leads to the That's trash cans, crazy. puking, throwing up, coming back in, throwing <laughs> down a mix and a scratch, going back out, puking, like he had that sickness where you just, every five minutes, you just couldn't oh. couldn't stop getting sick. But it was dedication. Two hours Dude, killed damn. the fucking set, like killed it, like did a great job. Nobody oh, even man. really recognized, <laughs> it was great. I
1: remember that, wow. I remember a, a DJ Brian Scott, and like, yeah. one of the firefighters, and I still follow him. We still chat, like bringing an IV to my hotel room and giving yeah, me a. That's He's one of my best friends to this day, B Scott. Wow. Uh huh. That's amazing. Well, tell him hello. I, absolutely, yeah.
2: I will. I'll, yeah. I,